In this special series, AHLA leaders discuss key moments in their careers, current and future trends in health law, and AHLA's role in their professional development. Support for AHLA and this series is provided by HORN, which provides proactive guidance and strategies to enhance efficiency, improve patient experience, increase market share, and position you for greater success. Horn Healthcare serves over 600 clients across 31 states. For more information, visit hornllp.com. So welcome everyone. My name is Chip Hutzler from Horn. This is our HLA podcast series, the second year of doing this. And I'm really excited to have my guest today. First uh, in line is Lisa Oren Wilson, someone you know well from CMS, someone I've known a long time, over a decade and uh, have had a long, great association with, and I'm really happy to have her with us today. Lisa, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And let me caveat and say, of course, Lisa's here in her personal capacity talking about Lisa and not speaking on behalf of the U.S. government. So I want to make that crystal clear up front. Um, But with that, Lisa, let me start off by asking you how you got into health law. What were the things that kind of got you started going and thinking you wanted to be a health lawyer? So believe it or not, I went to law school thinking I wanted to be a health lawyer. I was working for the federal government. I was a savings and loan examiner. I'd been a finance major in college and so was working examining savings and loans during the times of distress back in the 90s. So I'm dating myself. Um, And I thought I wanted to go further my education and law school sounded like a good idea, but I didn't know whether I wanted to continue um, in the finance field or not. And as I researched different schools and where to apply, the University of Maryland Law School, and I'm from Maryland, so that was pretty helpful that it was local, um, had uh, an emerging health law program and they had brought in Karen Rothenberg to start that program and run it and with a very strong focus in issues of the moment at the time Uh, they had an AIDS clinic and they were providing legal assistance to persons with uh, HIV and AIDS. And I thought that I wanted to go to that school and I wanted to potentially go into that type of public health law or um, legal aid assistance type law. I ended up going to the University of Maryland, working with Karen on a number of things, Um, took a detour away from that, that particular area of health law but worked myself through that program. And by the time I finished law school, I'd already taken 11 classes that were related to health law and I was hooked. I knew that's what I wanted to do. That's great. It's one of the great health law programs. I went to the University of Maryland as well, but mm-hmm. when I was there, I had no idea I would ever get in healthcare. I didn't know until almost 15 years later. Um, so although I knew Karen very well and knew lots of people in the program, I didn't partake or uh, participate in any of it. Um, I wish I had knowing where I ended up, but life takes you on strange trips. It's great that you were part of that program. I think it's one of the best programs. Um, So it sounds like along the way, you had people who inspired you. Karen may have been one of them. Were there others that sort of inspired you along the way? I would say, you know, early on, it was Karen. Karen was the primary inspiration, what she had been doing with her career and what she intended to do with uh, her career in health law and all of the different people she knew and, and the experiences she had. And um, she was also my small section teacher in law school. And after a challenging start to transition from numbers and all the things I was good at to a particularly difficult way of thinking for me and writing for me, uh, she sat me down in her office and there were tears and 
She told me that she was done looking at the tears. This would be the last of them, that I was perfectly capable of doing this and would do well. And I just needed to basically put on my big girl pants and move forward. And that is exactly what I did. And she was my mentor all through law school. Shortly thereafter, she helped me get my first in-house job in healthcare, my real first healthcare job. And uh, she's just been, she was one of the early people who believed in me and set me on a course where I could kind of let go of that self-doubt. And I think it's really important that that kind of connection happens early on in whether it's school or early on in a health law career, the first person you work with or your first boss, some early mentor. Karen was one of them. And another one was Patty Brown, who worked at the uh, in Maryland's attorney general's office, and she counseled the Medicaid program. And she was my boss when I was a law student who clerked there. And Patty also mentored me throughout the early stages of my career. She got me into teaching. She was teaching, moved on to work at Johns Hopkins in-house and became super busy and recommended me to take over her course at the University of Baltimore School of Law. And that's how I ended up starting and teaching early, early on in my 20s still. <laughs> um, and so I ha- ended up having a lifelong love of being a professor as well. So both of them really set me up um, with proper mentoring and inspiration. That, that makes complete sense. And I actually got to know Karen very well when I was in law school as well. She ultimately became the Dean of the law school for those who don't know and uh, did a terrific job in that role for a number of years. Um, and it sounds like you had some really interesting uh, mentors along the way and who really you know, inspired you to be a leader What challenges have you faced since then in in your career that you look back and say, um, wow, that's amazing that we overcame that? And how did you do it? Well, um, I would say there has been more than one occasion, two to be exact, um, where I just sort of picked the wrong path. I have never been afraid of changing jobs to try to learn something new in this profession or try a different way to practice it or a a subspecialty. Um, And I have twice made mistakes about where I chose to go. And the important thing is to know that nothing is forever. Nothing is permanent. No mistake that you make can't be undone or just moved on from. And I think those two, the first time it happened, very, very early in my career, And then second, later, as I entered into sort of the the more advanced stages of my career, and even at the advanced stage, you can make a change, you can correct mistakes and move on. And I think that's really important and a lesson that students in particular, and those really early on in their health law careers need to understand, it's not all perfect. And you shouldn't give up. And you don't have to feel that you are in prison where you are. There's so much to do in this field, so many different work environments, so many different places to work, so many ways to work, so many specialties within health law, subspecialties that there's always something new to try and it's okay to try again and try something different. And I think learning that early on and surviving what seemed to be a catastrophe in my career, was very strengthening for me. And that let me explore all the different things I wanted to do. And I have done so many different things in this field and and feel very lucky that I got to do that. Was there one moment you could point to as kind of the key moment in your health law career when you felt like you turned a corner and realized, hey, this is why I do what I do? 
Uh, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I would say I didn't know that moment had happened until years later. And I will say um, for anyone who's known me long enough to have uh, known me through multiple jobs <laughs> that I've had, and, and I'm in double digits, I will tell you that my resume is extremely long. Um, although it seems pretty stable now because I'm back at CMS and I love it. It'll be nine years in March. Um, yeah. Looking back, that turning point was when I was at CMS for the first time. And I changed from a career in practicing law, so to speak, where I was counseling clients, whether in-house or in a law firm, to come into the agency and learn how to be a non-lawyer lawyer. What I do at CMS is not a legal job, but obviously I work solely in a legal area and work on regulations and create policy that is law. Um, it wasn't until years after I left CMS that I had the perspective to say, that is what fulfills me. That's the final resting place, so to speak, for my career, that I, I want to go back to that, that it's what I do, I think, well. I think it allows me um, to use everything that I've done up until that point, until coming into the government, all of the experiences I've had and, and the different things I've seen and done to pull it all together and serve. And being a civil servant, I didn't realize until I wasn't a civil servant how much I really feel motivated and called to be that. I remember actually having that conversation with you at one point where I was trying to maybe find you a different legal job. And you said to me, <laughs> I think I'm going back to government. And I looked at you and said, that's great that we're going to be so lucky to get you back in government because um, it's been, a, I think for the industry, a great thing to have you back in that role. And it's great that you found your calling. For a lot of people, it's not their calling. They try it out. And I'm glad that for you, it, it has been that because I think we need people that really love doing that doing that job, I think. Thank you. Because um, I know I could never do it. Uh, <laughs> but in any event, uh, that's a really great answer to that question. So this may be one tough to answer from your seat, but think about what's, you, what's your outlook for kind of the future of health law going forward? I mean, where do you see it going? You're, you're now on the board of AHLA, a sort of an important agency involved in this. You obviously sit in an important place in the government. Maybe you have thoughts on it that you can't share, but what can you share with us about kind of where you see health law going in the future? Um, you know, just generally, not specifics. I see it continuing on the path that it's had. One of the things I've always loved about health law, and I always tell students, especially when they ask, or, or those who are just new to the career, new to this profession, that it's the best specialty to be in because it's constantly changing. You can have, you can call yourself a health lawyer and be a health lawyer. And I say that in air quotes throughout your entire career. And yet you will have done 50 different things. It all stems from either a payment system changing or um, how we deliver healthcare. And there's so many things that make up health law. And I don't see that changing at all. I think the future of health law will just, for us as lawyers, it's just going to be a constant reinvention of ourselves and what we do and how we practice. I think it's going to continue to um, stem a great deal from reimbursement. I mean, the government drives a lot of what we do as health lawyers by what it chooses to pay for and how, and the Congress telling us what to do and how and how to pay for things. 
that creates the policy of you know what will be paid for and then we have to figure out how to deliver it what kind of standards to set for when that's going to be payable um, so a lot of the that type of compliancy work falls you know directly in line with the reimbursement and the coverage of medicare in particular medicaid um, but there's so many other things too that are just technology crossing over into healthcare now and that creates so many different things for health lawyers to know um, so I, th I think we're just going to continue to see a spread, a widening of this profession, um, and just so many opportunities to try new things and see new things. But at the same time, holding on to our core principles of if you can understand the money, if you can understand the reimbursement, I think that gives everyone a really solid foundation, as especially young health lawyers, um, to, to know what being a health lawyer is and to be able to succeed in that, because I, I do think that is part of the core um, I just think there's just so much potential to do so many interesting and creative things in this field. Yeah, that's what I spend my time on teaching people the, the numerical side of it. I'm a numbers guy for sure. And it's so intertwined with the legal side. Um, the reimbursement system is key. And I think you point to a great thing there. What do you still want to accomplish as a health lawyer? I mean, what do you say when you're sitting there looking, I'm now going to be on the HLA board for a few years? What do you hope to accomplish ahead of you? Uh, you know, do you have goals sort of looking out? I have goals for myself, and, but really more so goals for other people. I think that um, where I might be better used <laughs> these days is mentoring, training, um, helping out the younger generation of health lawyers. I love to teach. And I love to help people find their way. And the nice thing about where I am now in my job is that I get to do that quite a bit with our team. We have a number of young lawyers who've been to law school, but are they're not practicing. So obviously they work in the government with me. Um, we do a really substantial training program and try to make sure people are getting um, some inspiration in that, not just training the exact physician summit for all law rules and technicalities, but, but other things about the agency and how it works and the world and how it works and health law and how it works. And so I, I do enjoy that. I haven't been teaching at law schools or anything for a while, but I, I do hope to go back to that eventually. Um, so I, I think my goal, I guess, for younger lawyers is that they will fall in love with this and, and find a full and healthy and happy career in health law too, and enjoy it and stay with it and not feel the burnout and, and just discord and, and, you know, unhappiness that we hear so many lawyers feel after they leave law school. Um, I really hope to inspire people to find their way and to stick with it. For myself, I think it would be, I'm going to, I, I hope to knock on wood, uh, stay with CMS and keep doing what I'm doing for a long time. I feel very uh, confident that there's more work to be done. We're not just, you know, creating regulations to create them. We are responding to what's happening in the world. We have this opportunity that we've been, you've seen over the last few years to really try to um, modernize where we are with the physician self-referral law and, and compliance efforts in general. We work so well now, I think with our, our law enforcement partners, I just hope that I get to keep doing this because my job is satisfying every single day. And I really enjoy that. Um, and then I do hope that I'll get to teach again and I feel so grateful that I'm now part of the AHLA leadership team 
in the sense that uh, we can support the organization, obviously with the board, we're not the agency, the organization itself, but that our ability to support that and, um, and do whatever we can and offer our experiences and my experiences in particular to the uh, organization in any way that I can um, finally kind of give back. I've gotten so much from this organization over the years that it, it's, it's finally my chance to give back and serve. Um, since, you know, when I was teaching at the law school and that was my full-time job, that was when I really got close to HLA and Peter Leibold was still there and Ann Hoover. And we started working together to find a way to make a path for the University of Maryland law students to participate at conferences when they were held in Baltimore. And, and from those early days, I felt like all I did was get, get, get from HLA. And now it's my opportunity to be able to serve and give back. That's great. Um, so a couple smaller questions to kind of wrap us up. One is HLA takes you a lot of places. Um, you, a lot of locations we do things and you know for CMS probably you don't get to go to as many as maybe some of the others but um, and so maybe you have an aspirational place that's your favorite place that you'd love to go to but do you have any favorite places you'd like to go when you've been on the road with health lawyers any favorite hangouts along the way I asked out of others where would I hope there's going to be another conference sure, <laughs> like, sure. if um, we can ever get back to it in person Right. I know. Well, I hope we all get back together in person soon. Um, some too. of my favorites have been New Orleans and Austin was a great, great venue when we were there. I lived in Boston and worked in Boston for a while. So I totally enjoyed that. Um, San Diego is beautiful. I have a, an adorable little grandson there. So it would not kill me if we got to go back there. Um, I actually saw his picture today. That was amazing. Isn't he precious? He's so oh sweet. Gosh. So sweet. Uh, looks like he's what, like 10, eight, 10 months old or something? He is eight months old. Yeah, that's right. Almost nine. And um, so really, there are always great places to go. Um, you know, wouldn't break my heart if we got to go to South Florida again. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think there it's really the, the group of people that you're with. It doesn't almost matter where you are, but we've had some really good times. And, and I look forward to getting back together with everyone in person soon. That's true. And, um, and now the question I've asked everyone else is when they induct you in the Health Law Rockstar Hall of Fame, what's your plaque on the wall going to say? Well, I think there'll be a name on mine that was given to me by Herb Kuhn, who was the deputy administrator at CMS for a while. Um, during those times when we were doing a lot of uh, regulation in the, the earlier, my first go around at CMS, um, a lot of regulation. We were finishing phase three, implementing a lot of changes that we couldn't get into phase three. So a lot of proposed and changed rules in, in that 2009 era. So we were always uh, having to brief our leadership on our policy issues and what the public was saying and not happy with or happy with. And I would walk into a meeting and, and her wouldn't say anything at all. You know, he'd listen appropriately and make his decisions and it was fantastic to work for. And then after I left, he was so great. He came to my going away party. Um, it was at a bar nearby CMS and a whole bunch of people were there and Herb came, which was very funny. He came up from DC and he told me that he had always in his mind nicknamed me something that when I would walk in to start a briefing, he would think to himself, uh-oh, here comes the princess of darkness because it was the position solving for all and he knew it was going to be something controversial that I was going to come in to tell him or that there was going to be an issue with some stakeholders here or there. So I think I would um, 
put the moniker Princess of Darkness on my plaque, but hope that everyone would realize that that is a joke because I, I really uh, like to think of myself as something other than the Princess of Darkness. I, I mean, I certainly think of you as one of the shining lights on the Stark Law, but, um, but certainly uh, it's, it's a humorous nickname and I know everyone's going to remember that. We'll be playing the, uh, the, the Darth Vader music when you come in, just for fun. <laughs> but yeah. uh, in, all, in all seriousness, thank you so much for joining. Really appreciate your being on today. It was great to chat with you for a few minutes and really enjoyed it. And look forward to the time we get to work with you and see you at HLA events going forward. Me too. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to AHLA Speaking of Health Law wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about AHLA and the educational resources available to the health law community, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org.